0: 8. Ending high up. All its shadows are bluish, and this is caused, according to the fourth prop, which says, the surface of every opaque body assumes the hue of the surrounding objects. Now this white body being deprived of the light of the sun by the interposition of some body between the sun and itself. All that portion of it which is exposed to the sun and atmosphere assumes the color of the sun and atmosphere, the side on which the sun does not fall remains in shadow and assumes the hue of the atmosphere. And if this white object did not reflect the green of the fields all the way to the horizon or get the brightness of the horizon itself, it would certainly appear simply of the same hue as the atmosphere, on gradations in the depth of colors 279, 280, 279, since black, when painted next to white, looks no blacker than when next to black, and white when next to black looks no whiter than white as is seen by the images transmitted through a small hole or by the edges of any opaque screen, 280, of colors, of several colors, all equally white, that will look whitest which is against the darkest background, and black will look intensest against the whitest background, and red will look most vivid against the yellowest background, and the same is the case with all colors when surrounded by their strongest contrasts, on the reflection of colors 281, 283, 281 PERSPECTIVE. Every object devoid of color in itself is more or less tinged by the color of the object placed opposite. This may be seen by experience, inasmuch as any object which mirrors another assumes the color of the object mirrored in it, and if the surface thus partially colored is white the portion which has a red reflection will appear red, or any other color, whether bright or dark. PERSPECTIVE. Every opaque and colorless body assumes the hue of the color reflected on it, as happens with a white wall. 282. Perspective. That side of an object in light and shade which is towards the light transmits the images of its details more distinctly and immediately to the eye than the side which is in shadow. Perspective. The solar rays reflected on a square mirror will be thrown back to distant objects in a circular form. Perspective. Any white and opaque surface will be partially colored by reflections from surrounding objects. Footnote 281. 282. The title line of these chapters is in the original simply, Pro, which may be an abbreviation for either Propositione or Prospetiva taking Prospetiva of course in its widest sense, as we often find it used in Leonardo's writings. The title, Pro, has here been understood to mean Prospetiva, in accordance with the suggestion afforded by page 10b of this same is where the first section is headed Prospetiva in full scene number 94 while the four following sections are headed merely, Pro, Scene number 85, 283, what portion of a colored surface ought in reason to be the most intense, if is the light, and illuminated by it in a direct line, on which the light cannot fall, is lighted only by reflection from which, let us say, is red, hence the light reflected from it, will be affected by the hue of the surface causing it and will tinge the surface with red, and if is also red you will see it much more intense than, and if it were yellow you would see there a color between yellow and red, on the use of dark and light colors in painting 284, 286, 284, why beautiful colors must be in the highest light, since we see that the quality of color is known only by means of light, it is to be supposed that where there is most light the true character of a color in light will be best seen, and where there is most shadow the color will be affected by the tone of that, Hence, O Painter, remember to show the true quality of colors in bright lights, 285. An object represented in white and black will display stronger relief than in any other way, hence I would remind you O Painter, to dress your figures in the lightest colors you can, since, if you put them in dark colors, they will be into slight relief and inconspicuous from a distance, and the reason is that the shadows of all objects are dark. And if you make a dress dark there is little variety in the lights and shadows, while in light colors there are many grades, 286, of painting, colors seen in shadow will display more or less of their natural brilliancy in proportion as they are in fainter or deeper shadow, but if these same colors are situated in a well lighted place, they will appear brighter in proportion as the light is more brilliant, the adversary. The variety of colors in shadow must be as great as that of the colors in the objects in that shadow. The answer. Colors seen in shadow will display less variety in proportion as the shadows in which they lie are deeper. And evidence of this is to be had by looking from an open space into the doorways of dark and shadowy churches. Where the pictures which are painted in various colors all look of uniform darkness. Hence at a considerable distance all the shadows of different colors will appear of the same darkness. It is the light side of an object in light and shade which shows the true color. On the colors of the rainbow 287, 288, 287. Treat of the rainbow in the last book on painting. But first write the book on colors produced by the mixture of other colors. So as to be able to prove by those painters colors how the colors of the rainbow are produced. 288. Whether the colors of the rainbow are produced by the sun. The colors of the rainbow are not produced by the sun day for day occur in many ways without the sunshine, as may be seen by holding a glass of water up to the eye, when, in the glass where there are those minute bubbles always seen in coarse glass each bubble, even though the sun does not fall on it, will produce on one side all the colors of the rainbow, as you may see by placing the glass between the daylight and your eye in such a way as that it is close to the eye, while on one side the glass admits the diffused light of the atmosphere. And on the other side the shadow of the wall on one side of the window, either left or right. It matters not which. Then, by turning the glass round you will see these colors all round the bubbles in the glass and see. And the rest shall be said in its place. That the eye has no part in producing the colors of the rainbow. In the experiment just described, the eye would seem to have some share in the colors of the rainbow. Since these bubbles in the glass do not display the colors except through the medium of the eye. But, If you place the glass full of water on the windowsill, in such a position as that the outer side is exposed to the sun's rays, you will see the same colors produced in the spot of light thrown through the glass and upon the floor, in a dark place, below the window, and as the eye is not here concerned in it, we may evidently, and with certainty pronounce that the eye has no share in producing them, of the colors in the feathers of certain birds. There are many birds in various regions of the world on whose feathers we see the most splendid colors produced as they move, as we see in our own country in the feathers of peacocks or on the necks of ducks or pigeons, and see, again, on the surface of antique glass found underground and on the roots of turnips kept for some time at the bottom of wells or other stagnant waters we see that each root displays colors similar to those of the real rainbow. They may also be seen when oil has been placed on the top of water and in the solar rays reflected from the surface of a diamond or barrel, again, through the angular facet of a barrel every dark object against a background of the atmosphere or anything else equally pale-colored is surrounded by these rainbow colors between the atmosphere and the dark body, and in many other circumstances which I will not mention, as these suffice for my purpose, v.i. Prospetiva re Perspective of Colour and Prospetiva Area Aerial Perspective, Leonardo distinctly separates these branches of his subject, as may be seen in the beginning of number 295. Attempts have been made to cast doubts on the results which Leonardo arrived at by experiment on the perspective of colour, but not with justice, as may be seen from the original text of section 294. The question as to the composition of the atmosphere which is inseparable from a discussion on aerial perspective, forms a separate theory which is treated at considerable length. Indeed the author enters into it so fully that we cannot escape the conviction that he must have dwelt with particular pleasure on this part of his subject, and that he attached great importance to giving it a character of general applicability. General Rules 289, 291. 289. The variety of color in objects cannot be discerned at a great distance excepting in those parts which are directly lighted up by the solar rays. 290. As to the colors of objects, at long distances no difference is perceptible in the parts in shadow. 291. Of the visibility of colors, which color strikes most, an object at a distance is most conspicuous, when it is lightest, and the darkest is least visible. An exceptional case. 292. Of the edges outlines of shadows. Some have misty and ill-defined edges others distinct ones, no opaque body can be devoid of light and shade, except it is in a mist, on ground covered with snow, or when snow is falling on the open country which has no light on it and is surrounded with darkness, and this occurs only in spherical bodies, because in other bodies which have limbs and parts, those sides of limbs which face each other reflect on each other the accidental hue and tone of their surface, an experiment, 293 all colors are at a distance undistinguishable and undisc are runnable. All colors at a distance are indistinguishable in shadow, because an object which is not in the highest light is incapable of transmitting its image to the eye through an atmosphere more luminous than itself, since the lesser brightness must be absorbed by the greater. For instance, we, in a house, can see that all the colors on the surface of the walls are clearly and instantly visible when the windows of the house are open. But if we were to go out of the house and look in at the windows from a little distance to see the paintings on, those walls, instead of the paintings we should see on uniform deep and colorless shadow. The Practice of the Prospectivity Coloury, 294. How painters painter should carry out the perspective of colour in practice, in order to put into practice this perspective of the variation and loss or diminution of the essential character of colours. Observe at every hundred brassia some objects standing in the landscape, such as trees, houses, men and particular places. Then in front of the first tree have a very steady plate of glass and keep your eye very steady. And then, on this plate of glass, draw a tree, tracing it over the form of that tree. Then move it on one side so far as that the real tree is closed by the side of the tree you have drawn. Then color your drawing in such a way as that in color and form the two may be alike and that both, if you close one eye, seem to be painted on the glass and at the same distance, then, by the same method, represent a second tree, and a third, with a distance of a hundred brassia between each, and these will serve as a standard and guide whenever you work on your own pictures, wherever they may apply, and will enable you to give due distance in those works, but I have found that as a rule the second is four five of the first one it is twenty brassia beyond it, footnote, this chapter is one of those copied in the manuscript of the Vatican Library or 1270, and the original text is rendered here with no other alterations, but in the orthography. H. Ludwig, in his edition of this copy translates lines 14 and 15 us, itch find aber a das der zweitam via funftel der ersten when er knowledge once a vom ersten east. ist. He adds in his commentary, Das and der Nummer ist walget in Falls verse However the translation given above shows that it admits of a different rendering. The rules of aerial perspective 295, 297, 295, of aerial perspective. There is another kind of perspective which I call aerial perspective, because by the atmosphere we are able to distinguish the variations in distance of different buildings, which appear placed on a single line, as, for instance, when we see several buildings beyond a wall, all of which, as they appear above the top of the wall, look of the same size, while you wish to represent them in a picture as more remote one than another and to give the effect of a somewhat dense atmosphere, you know that in an atmosphere of equal density the remotest objects seen through it, as mountains, in consequence of the great quantity of atmosphere between your eye and them appear blue and almost of the same hue as the atmosphere itself footnote 10, Quidu il sol e when the sun is in the east. Apparently the author refers here to morning light in general. H. Ludwig Kalaber translates this passage from the Vatican copy, When nomlich hinter I am instead. When the sun is in the east. Hence you must make the nearest building above the wall of its real color. But the more distant ones make less defined and bluer. Those you wish should look farthest away you must make proportionately bluer, thus. If one is to be five times as distant, make it five times bluer, and by this rule the buildings which above a given line appear of the same size, will plainly be distinguished as to which are the more remote and which larger than the others. 296. The medium lying between the eye and the object seen, tinges that object with its color, as the blueness of the atmosphere makes the distant mountains appear blue and red glass makes objects seen beyond it, look red. The light shed round them by the stars is obscured by the darkness of the night which lies between the eye and the radiant light of the stars. 297. Take care that the perspective of color does not disagree with the size of your objects. That is to say, that the colors diminish from their natural vividness in proportion as the objects at various distances diminish from their natural size. On the relative density of the atmosphere 298-290. 298. 290. 298. Why the atmosphere must be represented as paler towards the lower portion, because the atmosphere is dense near the earth, and the higher it is the rarer it becomes. When the sun is in the east if you look towards the west and a little way to the south and north, you will see that this dense atmosphere receives more light from the sun than the rarer, because the rays meet with greater resistance. And if the sky, as you see it, ends on a low plane, that lowest portion of the sky will be seen through a denser and whiter atmosphere which will weaken its true color as seen through that medium, and there the sky will look whiter than it is above you, where the line of sight travels through a smaller space of air charged with heavy vapor, and if you turn to the east, the atmosphere will appear darker as you look lower down because the luminous rays pass less freely through the lower atmosphere. 299. Of the mode of treating remote objects in painting, it is easy to perceive that the atmosphere which lies closest to the level ground is denser than the rest and that where it is higher up, it is rarer and more transparent. The lower portions of large and lofty objects which are at a distance are not much seen, because you see them along a line which passes through a denser and thicker section of the atmosphere. The summits of such heights are seen along a line which, though it starts from your eye in a dense atmosphere, still, as it ends at the top of those lofty objects, ceases in a much rarer atmosphere than exists at their base, For this reason the farther this line extends from your eye, from point to point the atmosphere becomes more and more rare, hence, O painter, when you represent mountains, see that from hill to hill the bases are paler than the summits, and in proportion as they recede beyond each other make the bases paler than the summits, while, the higher they are the more you must show of their true form and color, on the color of the atmosphere 300, 307, 300, of the color of the atmosphere. I say that the blueness we see in the atmosphere is not intrinsic color, but is caused by warm vapor evaporated in minute and insensible atoms on which the solar rays fall, rendering them luminous against the infinite darkness of the fiery sphere which lies beyond and includes it, and this may be seen as I saw it by anyone going up footnote 5, with regard to the place spoken of as Momboso compare number 301 line 20 its identity will be discussed under Leonardo's topographical notes in volume I. Momboso, a peak of the Alps which divide France from Italy, the base of this mountain gives birth to the four rivers which flow in four different directions through the whole of Europe, and no mountain has its base at so great a height as this which lifts itself almost above the clouds, and snow seldom falls there, but only hail in the summer, when the clouds are highest, and this hail lies unmelted there, so that if it were not for the absorption of the rising and falling clouds, which does not happen twice in an age, an enormous mass of ice would be piled up there by the hail, and in the middle of July I found it very considerable, there I saw above me the dark sky and the sun as it fell on the mountain was far brighter here than in the plains below, because a smaller extent of atmosphere lay between the summit of the mountain and the sun, again as an illustration of the color of the atmosphere I will mention the smoke of old and dry wood, which, as it comes out of the chimney, appears to turn very blue, when seen between the eye and the dark distance, but as it rises, and comes between the eye and the bright atmosphere, it at once shows of an ashy gray color, and this happens because it no longer has darkness beyond it, but this bright and luminous space, if the smoke is from young, greenwood, it will not appear blue, because, not being transparent and being full of superabundant moisture, it has the effect of condensed clouds which take distinct lights and shadows like a solid body, the same occurs with the atmosphere, which, when overcharged with moisture appears white, and the small amount of heated moisture makes it dark, of a dark blue color and this will suffice us so far as concerns the color of the atmosphere, though it might be added that, if this transparent bloom were the natural color of the atmosphere, it would follow that wherever a larger mass air intervened between the eye and the element of fire, the azure color would be more intense, as we see in blue glass and in sapphires, which are darker in proportion as they are larger, but the atmosphere in such circumstances behaves in an opposite manner, inasmuch as where a greater quantity of it lies between the eye and the sphere of fire, it is seen much whiter, this occurs towards the horizon, and the less the extent of atmosphere between the eye and the sphere of fire, the deeper is the blue color, as may be seen even on low planes, hence it follows, as I say, that the atmosphere assumes this azure hue by reason of the particles of moisture which catch the rays of the sun day again, we may note the difference in particles of dust, or particles of smoke, in the sunbeams admitted through holes into a dark chamber, when the former will look ash-gray and the thin smoke will appear of a most beautiful blue, and it may be seen again in in the dark shadows of distant mountains when the air between the eye and those shadows will look very blue, though the brightest parts of those mountains will not differ much from their true color, but if anyone wishes for a final proof let him paint a board with various colors, among them an intense black, and overall let him lay a very thin and transparent coating of white. He will then see that this transparent white will nowhere show a more beautiful blue than over the black but it must be very thin and finely ground. 301. Experience shows us that the air must have darkness beyond it and yet it appears blue. If you produce a small quantity of smoke from dry wood and the rays of the sun fall on this smoke. And if you then place behind the smoke a piece of black velvet on which the sun does not shine. You will see that all the smoke which is between the eye and the black stuff will appear of a beautiful blue color. And if instead of the velvet you place a white cloth smoke, that is to thick smoke, hinders, and to thin smoke does not produce, the perfection of this blue color, hence a moderate amount of smoke produces the finest blue, water violently ejected in a fine spray and in a dark chamber where the sunbeams are admitted produces these blue rays and the more vividly if it is distilled water, and thin smoke looks blue, this I mention in order to show that the blueness of the atmosphere is caused by the darkness beyond it. And these instances are given for those who cannot confer my experience on Monboso. 302. When the smoke from dry wood is seen between the eye of the spectator and some dark space or object, it will look blue. Thus the sky looks blue by reason of the darkness beyond it. And if you look towards the horizon of the sky, you will see the atmosphere is not blue. And this is caused by its density. And thus at each degree, as you raise your eyes above the horizon up to the sky over your head, You will see the atmosphere look darker blue and this is because a smaller density of air lies between your eye and the outer darkness. And if you go to the top of a high mountain the sky will look proportionately darker above you as the atmosphere becomes rarer between you and the outer darkness, and this will be more visible at each degree of increasing height till at last we should find darkness. That smoke will look bluest which rises from the driest wood and which is nearest to the fire and is seen against the darkest background, and with the sunlight upon it. 303. A dark object will appear bluest in proportion as it has a greater mass of luminous atmosphere between it and the eye, as may be seen in the color of the sky. 304. The atmosphere is blue by reason of the darkness above it because black and white make blue. 305. In the morning the mist is denser above than below, because the sun draws it upwards, hence tall buildings, even if the summit is at the same distance as the base have the summit invisible. Therefore, also. The sky looks darkest in color overhead, and towards the horizon it is not blue but rather between smoke and dust color. The atmosphere, when full of mist, is quite devoid of blueness, and only appears of the color of clouds, which shine white when the weather is fine. And the more you turn to the west the darker it will be, and the brighter as you look to the east. And the verdure of the fields is bluish in a thin mist, but grows grey in a dense one. The buildings in the west will only show their illuminated side. Where the sun shines, and the mist hides the rest, when the sun rises and chases away the haze, the hills on the side where it lifts begin to grow clearer, and look blue, and seem to smoke with the vanishing mists, and the buildings reveal their lights and shadows, through the thinner vapor they show only their lights and through the thicker air nothing at all, this is when the movement of the mist makes it part horizontally, and then the edges of the mist will be indistinct against the blue of the sky and towards the earth it will look almost like dust blown up, in proportion as the atmosphere is dense the buildings of a city and the trees in a landscape will look fewer, because only the tallest and largest will be seen, darkness affects everything with its hue, and the more an object differs from darkness, the more we see its real and natural color, the mountains will look few, because only those will be seen which are farthest apart, since, at such a distance, The density increases to such a degree that it causes a brightness by which the darkness of the hills becomes divided and vanishes indeed towards the top. There is less mist between lower and nearer hills and yet little is to be distinguished, and least towards the bottom. 306. The surface of an object partakes of the color of the light which illuminates it, and of the color of the atmosphere which lies between the eye and that object, that is of the color of the transparent medium lying between the object and the eye and among colors of a similar character the second will be of the same tone as the first, and this is caused by the increased thickness of the color of the medium lying between the object and the eye. 307. Of painting, of various colors which are none of them blue that which at a great distance will look bluest is the nearest to black, and so, conversely, the color which is least like black will at a great distance best preserve its own color, hence the green of fields will assume a bluer hue than yellow or white will, and conversely yellow or white will change less than green, and red still less, V. I. I. on the proportions and on the movements of the human figure. Leonardo's researches on the proportions and movements of the human figure must have been for the most part completed and written before the year 1498, for Luca P. C. Iola writes, in the dedication to Ludovico I. L. Moro, of his book Divina Proportioni, which was published in that year, Leonardo D. A. Vinci. How do we accompany cut gligiacia al degno libro di picture e movimenti humani fine? The selection of Leonardo's axioms contained in the Vatican copy attributes these words to the author, E.I.L. Restor Ironella Universale Misura del Juono. Manzi. Page 147, Ludwig. number 264. Ella Again. In his Idea del Tempio della Patera Milano 1590. Cap. I.V. says, O Vinci, Tutli ioni di and li ironi del Corpo humano. The Vatican copy includes but very few sections of the Universale Missura del Huomo, and until now nothing has been made known of the original MSS on the subject which have supplied the very extensive materials for this portion of the work. The collection at Windsor, belonging to Her Majesty the Queen, includes by far the most important part of Leonardo's investigations on this subject. Constituting about half of the whole of the materials here published, and the large number of original drawings adds greatly to the interest which the subject itself must command. Luca Paciolo would seem to have had these MSS, which I have distinguished by the initials WP in his mind when he wrote the passage quoted above. Still, certain notes of a later date such as NOS 360, 362 and 363, from Izzy written in 1513-14, sufficiently prove that Leonardo did not consider his earlier studies on the proportions and movements of the human figure final and complete, as we might suppose from Luca Paciolo's statement, or else he took the subject up again at a subsequent period, since his former researches had been carried on at Milan between 1490 and 1500. Indeed it is highly probable that the anatomical studies which he was pursuing with so much zeal between 15, and 16 should have led him to reconsider the subject of proportion. Preliminary observations 308. 309. 308. Every man, at three years old is half the full height he will grow to at last. 309. If a man to brassia high is too small, one of four is too tall, the medium being what is admirable between two and four comes three, therefore take a man of three brassia in height and measure him by the rule I will give you, if you tell me that I may be mistaken, and judge a man to be well proportioned who does not conform to this division, I answer that you must look at many men of three brassia, and out of the larger number who are alike in their limbs choose one of those who are most graceful and take your measurements, the length of the hand is one three of a braccio, eight inches and this is found nine times in man and the face footnote 7, the account here given of the braccio is of importance in understanding some of the succeeding chapters, test must here be understood to mean the face, the statements in this section are illustrated in part on place x i, is the same, and from the pin of the throat to the shoulder, and from the shoulder to the nipple, and from one nipple to the other, and from each nipple to the pin of the throat, proportions of the head and face 310, 318, 310, the space between the parting of the lips the mouth and the base of the nose is one seventh of the face. The space from the mouth to the bottom of the chin CD is the fourth part of the face and equal to the width of the mouth. The space from the chin to the base of the nose EF is the third part of the face and equal to the length of the nose and to the forehead. The distance from the middle of the nose to the bottom of the chin GH is half the length of the face. The distance from the top of the nose, where the eyebrows begin, to the bottom of the chin, IK is two thirds of the face. The space from the parting of the lips to the top of the chin lm that is where the chin ends and passes into the lower lip of the mouth, is the third of the distance from the parting of the lips to the bottom of the chin and is the twelfth part of the face. From the top to the bottom of the chin mn is the sixth part of the face and is the fifty-fourth part of a man's height. From the farthest projection of the chin to the throat op is equal to the space between the mouth and the bottom of the chin, and a fourth of the face. The distance from the top of the throat to the pin of the throat below Q is half the length of the face and the eighteenth part of a man's height. From the chin to the back of the neck st is the same distance as between the mouth and the roots of the hair. That is three quarters of the head. From the chin to the jawbone bx is half the head and equal to the thickness of the neck in profile. The thickness of the head from the brow to the nape is once and three for that of the neck. Footnote, the drawings to this text. Lines 110 are on place bii. Number I the two upper sketches of heads. Place VI. Number 2. Belong to lines 11-14, and in the original or placed immediately below the sketches reproduced on place VI. Number 1. 311. The distance from the attachment of one ear to the other is equal to that from the meeting of the eyebrows to the chin, and in a fine face the width of the mouth is equal to the length from the parting of the lips to the bottom of the chin. 312. The Cut or Depression.